Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the Armor Report. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal. Armor stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. Now, this is a show about quantum mental investing. What that really means is we use quantitative analysis, computer learning, AI, and those things for execution. We combine them with a fundamental foundation. And what we have is an information edge that I share with you every day. So on this show, what I share is information I use in my own portfolio, managing my own capital, and that of investors I work with through our Interactive Brokers Affiliation. I'm going to share with you today as our week in review the following topics. We're going to always start by talking about risk management. Armor is algorithmic risk management for your portfolio. So we start there. We're going to look at the big indexes, get an idea of what it means going forward and how we want to, if we want to, hedge the portfolio. Then we're going to skip into the cannabis couch, our favorite investment theme. Look, I'm building a website for you right now called armorreport.com. It's not ready yet. Don't go to it. But over the next week or two, I hope to have that up and running. And on that website, I have a dedicated section for the cannabis couch. I'm going to have a blog running for you with all the important news as it comes out because this this investment theme um, is moving fast. Information is coming out every day that's important for you to stay on top of. I'm going to create a simple place for you to go so you can access the information I think that actually moves stocks. And I'll have some video content just for you guys, um, specifically designed for the Cannabis Couch on that website. The website's really designed for the Armor Insider. It'll give you guys a chance to subscribe and get information that I can't share with you on this YouTube channel. So we're going to go from the cannabis couch over to two topics that affect our dividend passive income portfolio. You know that's a major focus of our desk. When you have more than $15 trillion of negative interest rates around the world and an enormous pension liability as baby boomers retire, pension plans have to push money into corporate debt and corporate equity that pays a dividend. So we're looking for big blue chip names that have a fat dividend. And we're going to focus on energy and tobacco later in the show. Okay. A couple ground rules, right? I don't know you. I couldn't possibly tell you what stocks to buy in your portfolio. So what I'm sharing with you is an education of what I do with my own money. My risk tolerance is probably different than yours. I've been doing this 35 years you know, professionally and privately. 
I have different tranches of capital that I manage my own capital. I break it into conservative and aggressive for myself, which creates a balanced approach, right? We have four portfolios at Interactive Brokers that we use to manage client assets, conservative, balanced, aggressive, and index only. And so I couldn't tell you what to own because I don't know you, okay? Get that out of the way. But I will reveal information that I think is pertinent to the decisions I make for myself, and that's what we're going to talk about. Step one, managing risk. First thing we do is we look at the indexes to tell us where we are in this cycle. Whether you're a buy and hold guy or a trader day to day, this, this information is valuable. If you're a buy and hold guy, and look, the last decade has been the decade of the buy and hold guy. You just shove money into the market. The market drops 25%. You don't care about it because you know that the Federal Reserve and central banks around the world are going to bail you out and the market goes higher. Um, I think that's very dangerous long term. That's going to come home to roost just like it did in 2008. So if you have no stop loss rules, you're going to get buried over time. It happens all the time. You know, maybe once a decade, once every other decade, whatever. But for right now, this is the buy and hold decade. This is the, you know, this is the um, passive decade. Buy indexes, central banks bail you out. Okay. But even for those guys, when do you add to that portfolio? Well, you don't want to add to it and immediately put yourself in a hole. So we try to add on weakness using our algorithms for the buy and hold guy. And of course, for the guy who's trading and is more actively involved in his risk management, it's incredibly important. You don't, you don't lay on new positions just because the market's making new highs. So let's go to my proverbial videotape. For those of you who remember Wolf. Um, there's a chart of the small cap index. I told you guys last week I was hedging my aggressive portfolios. So far, so good. You can see why I'm hedging. I'm gonna, this is a, a, a picture going back to February of this year. Let's make it a little tighter. And you can see the channel. It's just so unbelievably obvious. There's the small cap index. Picture is worth a proverbial thousand words. Do I even have to explain to you why I would put a hedge on here? Maybe I should just move on. It's pretty obvious. And by the way, when I hedge, I hope I lose money on the hedge. <laughs> Don't you guys get it? I hope you do. If it breaks out to the upside, I've been making a fortune everywhere else in my portfolio. Okay, take that hedge off and let it go. But if we're stuck in this trend like we have been for the last 20 some odd months, then it just behooves an aggressive portfolio to hedge. <clears throat> what does aggressive portfolio mean? Okay. What an aggressive portfolio means, I've got a lot of exposure. Okay. I've got a lot of exposure to the equity market in that portfolio. My conservative portfolios are carrying some cash. They're more geared towards the dividend payers. In times past, when the market sells off back towards the lows, 
some of those dividend payers go up. So I don't feel the need to hedge aggressively that portfolio. But for aggressive accounts where I don't have cash and I have growth stocks in there, then this is the place to hedge. Okay? So I'm going to put up this picture because I think it's worth putting up in the top corner again. The bulls and the bears are fighting it out right here. The markets on the big indexes are near all-time highs. On the sub-indexes, they're not confirming those highs. Most obvious is this small cap index I'm showing you. So we're at a crossroads. Either the big indexes are leading, and we're going to see everything go catch up, and it's going to be a huge December. Or these ancillary indexes are telling you something's wrong with this new high, and those big indexes are going to come back down. And so I'm just hedging here. This is not a call to be a short seller because I think the whole market's going to implode. I only make those calls when the Fed's raising interest rates and reducing liquidity, right? They're not doing that right now. But I will hedge from time to time, so that's what I'm doing. Hey, let's put this up there, too. If you enjoy this conversation, help me out. Click the, uh, the thumbs up button. Thanks so much. All right. Let's move on to the cannabis couch. What I want to talk about today, and forgive me, this is a live trading desk, so things are changing as I'm speaking to you. Sometimes I have trades out there that I have to focus on. I don't think so. Okay, we're good. So what I want to talk about, let's take a look. I'm going to share with you two things. There's a piece of news that came out the last couple days that, in my opinion, is the only thing you have to focus on when it comes to investing in Canadian licensed producers. One piece of information. For those of you who watch this show and are subscribers you guys know what I'm going to say. I talked about it last week, uh, Monday. I talked about it Monday after list, and last week. After listening to all the conference calls, one piece of information fell out that makes investing in this space very easy. There's one thing that has to happen for these stocks to have a major resurgence. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But before I get to that, I want to go to the charts. Because something's happened to the chart pattern of MJ, the ETF MJ, which covers all of these stocks. So it's a good gauge for all of our cannabis investments. Something's happened that we have not seen happen since the top in March. And what I want to do is go over with you what the Armour Report has been saying to you, the investor, to you, the subscriber, since May. Let's review what's been going on. So I'm going to take a look at MJ. Okay, now let's blow it up a little bit, okay, because there's the top. Can you guys see this? Sure you can. Okay. The top is right up here. Okay? That's March 19th. 
Now, I told everybody, everybody who watches this show and knows me, knows that I said at the end of May to get out of cannabis stocks. I did a special report on the CanTrust announcement where they lied to the Canadian Health Department. And I said, you got to get out of all these stocks. It's going to get ugly. Now, why was I so confident? Well, take a look, if you will. Let me take, let me just see this here. I want to share this with you and make sure you're seeing it. Okay. You see the, okay. Right in here where my hand is now, where that little white hand is, okay. That's the 200-day moving average, that black line. When, when the cannabis stocks broke below the 200-day moving average, even somebody with the most um, relaxed idea of a stop loss would recognize that if the group's breaking below the 200-day, something's changing, something's wrong. You have to protect capital. So at the end of May, I said, we got to get out of Dodge, guys. And then, of course, all the bad news started coming out. Now, I told you all more recently, so we stayed out of this whole decline. These stocks dropped 50 to 75% after we got out, after the Armour report said, you can't own these stocks. Then I came out in the middle of October, and I said, hey, it looks like a possible bottom, possible double bottom. We're going to get long right in here. And I walked you guys through my philosophy. I said, there's the double bottom. It's pretty obvious. My stop will be the low of the day I buy it. November 8th was the low of the day I was buying it, the low of the double bottom. Two days later, we were out of the position. So here we are talking about this chart development. Okay. So I just wanted to walk you through that. So I know a lot of guys who follow me on Twitter, stock twits, um, most of the time they're short sellers. They love to um, take shots at the idea that we're going to try to find the bottom. And I get it. Look, look, you don't have to find the bottom. I've said this all the way down. If you're conservative, don't touch these stocks. Let them put a bottom in. Let the reversal take place. Even when you buy them higher, which it's okay, they're down so much, you could buy them a little bit higher and have the confidence that the bottom's in. You don't have to try to catch the proverbial falling knife. If you're going to try that, you have to use stop losses to protect yourself. Enough said. So for conservative accounts, you don't have to play. For more aggressive guys, we have another chart opportunity that tells us something may be changing. And so we get involved. Those of you following me on Twitter, at Brett Rosenthal, that's one T, B-R-E-T, Rosenthal, you'll know, because I tweeted it out, that last week we were buying these stocks right off the lows for our aggressive accounts. And by the way, when I say we're buying the stocks, position size is key when it comes to investing. I'm only willing at the beginning of these calls, even, even back there where that double bottom was, I'm not putting 100% of my cannabis allocation to work at once. I'm putting 25% 
at work. Then I see how it behaves. I get stopped out. Okay, step aside, small position. If it holds, then I'm doubling, tripling, quadrupling, depending on how I want to pyramid the position. So when we get it right, we'll have a lot more exposure than when we get it wrong. Okay? This is key. First-time investors, beginning investors, don't get carried away with the excitement of the idea. Your excitement does not mean the stock goes up. We all figured that out by now. Institutions put stocks up over a long period of time. We have to identify the institutional favorites, and then we layer in positions when we're right so that our position size is the smallest when we're wrong. Okay? And maybe I'll do a whole uh, dissertation on this, maybe next Wednesday. We'll do an investing for beginners, and I'll walk you through the process, and we'll look at the numbers. But moving on, I want you to look at this. Okay? Take a look at that chart. Okay? The green box that I've highlighted for you, right over here, it's the first time that we've seen, but this is a candlestick chart. So you all can go to candlestick charts, pull up a book, read about it, you'll understand this more. But this is a clear three, what they call three white soldiers, combined with a three bar reversal, combined with gap ups off of the worst possible news that this industry can get. That looks like a washout and a reversal. We won't know if it is until that reversal bottom is tested and holds. But right now, you'll notice, if you go back and look at the, the, the decline, and I highlighted the yellow boxes for you, other places where this MJ tried to rally, not in any of those rallies do you see three blue bars together. Where they separate themselves in this manner. You could see here, you'd say, well, it looks like three bars. No, that's not three bars clearing the highs, Okay. Certainly not here. You had a big up bar, nothing. Certainly not here, nothing. So this is just a basic blip and a downtrend. This is the first time you've seen a candlestick reversal of this magnitude since the top in March. I share this information with you just to highlight the possibility of a bottom. There's been something that's changed. The last time it looked like a double bottom was in. That failed. No harm, no foul. Have a quarter of your position on. Breaks below the low of the day you bought it, which is the double bottom. You get out. You wait again. Now we have another very compelling reversal pattern. So for aggressive accounts, we're buying our favorite names on the whiteboard. And we're putting about a quarter of our position on and we're seeing how it behaves. We test and hold that low. 
we add to the position. Hang on a second. Talk to me. No. Kill it. Okay. Okay. Moving on. I think it's pretty clear that we have a possible bottom in the position. It's not a guarantee. Okay? It's not a guarantee. It's just I wanted to highlight for you from a candlestick standpoint that a bottom may be in place. And for aggressive accounts, we start to edge in. Now, I'd like to combine that quantitative look with the fundamentals. What created that reversal? We have huge short interest. We're coming to the end of the year, and every piece of bad news is out. I love that. That's classic. Very often at the end of the year, you get tax loss selling in a group. And then January, you get a snapback rally. The shorts know this. If you were short at this juncture, what's the point of holding your position? Everything you thought bad that was going to happen in 2019 happened. Great. Book your profits. You had a great year. You're not going to find out more bad news for at least three months. Okay? You had to borrow the stock to sell it. You're, you're, you're basically paying interest to borrow. So intelligent, large short sellers are going to book profits. The news comes out. There's a crescendo down. Everybody thinks that the world's coming to an end, and they start covering. And is that three-bar reversal proof that the covering started. We don't know. We'll see over the next couple of months. Well, next couple of weeks, really, into the end of the year. But the piece of information that I think is most compelling, and for anybody really paying attention to the space, and I spoke about this last week, and I spoke about it on Monday, and then we saw a new piece of news drop on Wednesday. After listening to all those conference calls, I distilled for you one fact that mattered. And that was the province of Ontario. Every major Canadian LP said on their conference call that we all got it wrong. The analysts got it wrong, and we got it wrong in 2019 because we expected Ontario to open more stores. They only opened 24, guys. They had a ridiculous government lottery system set up. They all missed their numbers and grew too much weed and couldn't get it to the market. So now what's happened? They're all reducing their weed growth, their weed production. They're reducing their expenses. The management teams, instead of exciting the market and talking about future growth and coming up with projections of growth and, and growth expectations, they've told everybody on the street, expect nothing. We don't know what's going to happen next year. We're reducing our spending. We're reducing our grow. 
We don't know what Ontario is going to do. And so I said to you last week, and I said to you on Monday, the most important fact will be what Ontario does. Because expectations now are zero. And then on Wednesday, Ontario news hit the market. And you think that's got nothing to do with the reversal? Smart investors and smart short sellers can see the writing on the wall. Now, until Ontario actually changes the way they license retailers, there's the proverbial slip betwixt the cup and the lip. We don't know if this is going to happen, but they've come out and made statements that they're going to change the way they allow retail stores to open. It will not be a lottery system. Follow me on Twitter. You can find the story at Brett Rosenthal, B-R-E-T Rosenthal. I've got right there. Click on it. Read the story for yourself. All you're going to have to do now is put up a little bit of cash if you want to be a retailer in Canada, fill out the paperwork, do a background check. They'll give you a license. That's the new plan. It's not written in stone yet. I know. I know. Don't start yelling all at once, short sellers. I get it. Ontario government said they were going to do stuff in 2019. They didn't. I know. But at this point, there's zero expectation in the market. In fact, if anything, people think these companies are going to go out of business. Okay? I'm sure some of them will. We've got cream of the crop on the top of our whiteboard. Ontario thinks they can open a thousand stores. If any of that is true, and this reporting is coming from reputable sources. So if it's turned into reality, and in the next, I don't know, 30 to 60 days, because they say they're going to start in January 2020. I mean, nobody believes it. But if they actually come up with rules between now and the end of this year that say, okay, starting in 2020, if you want to be a retailer of cannabis products, the system's going to be this. Fill out the paperwork, put up a nominal amount of cash. We'll do a background check and give you a license. If that actually happens, these stocks are woefully undervalued. And guess what? It's going to happen during a year where the growers are reducing their grow. <laughs> 2020 has the potential to be the exact opposite of 2019. What happened in 2019? We came into the year with massive grow, expecting a lot of store opens. So we grew too much and had nascent store openings. So we miss all of the numbers. It's a disaster. Product is returned. It's an implosion. Now we go into 2020. All of the cannabis growers are tightening their belts. Nobody thinks Ontario is going to do the right thing. And then, oops, all of a sudden, they do the right thing. And they don't just do the right thing and open a couple hundred stores. They open a thousand. So those of you who know me, 
know that I talk about reward versus risk, probability and statistics. That's the first thing I think about when I put positions on. So after the destruction these talks have gone through, the reward versus risk looks pretty good. And the probabilities that there's a snapback rally at the very least after all the bad news is out is fairly high. And so that's why for my aggressive accounts, I start buying in here. And over the next couple of weeks, I look for the right pattern to set up. We get an, a quantitative entry point and we increase that position. If it takes out the lows, we go back to cash. Okay. I'm going to end on that note. Now, um, <laughs> believe me, there'll be enough flour. Okay. It's just that the growers are reducing their grow. Believe me, if the stores ramp to a thousand in 2020, the revenue numbers will far exceed what everyone's expecting right now. And that's all that matters as an investor. Okay. Uh, question, Erez, would I buy um, uh, uh, Charlotte's Web on the dip? I, I mean, I, Charlotte's Web is my favorite name. It's, it's not a cannabis play. I mean, it's just a CPG play, right? And it's got a great management team. And I think the stock has been unduly destroyed because it's in the group. And so it's on the top of my whiteboard. I'll put it there. I'll just say that. Okay. Um, so I can't tell you what to do. I mean, you and I don't work together, but I'm, I'm telling you what I would do in my own portfolio. It's the top of my whiteboard, but not so much for this cannabis story, right? It's not it's nothing to do with Canada. I'm sure you're on the same page as I am there. Um, okay. Let's move on. Um, it took a long time, so let's just hit these topics real quick. I want to look at, um, you know, I've been focusing our dividend part of our portfolio. We're looking for blue chip dividend payers that have gone through a decline over the last six to 12 months. So the stocks are down. Yields are as high as they can be. And the reason I believe is transitory. If it's a short term reason, then we step up and put capital to work and collect that yield and we get a snapback rally. So let's take a quick look again at the um, proverbial videotape. Okay. So there's MJ. Let's take a look at, um, just to give you an idea, here's the poster child of what we do, right? There's AbbVie. So the stock was down huge over a long period of time. Everyone writes it off, thinks that the stock is done. They can't pay their dividend. Humera is no longer a product that anyone cares about, blah, blah, blah. Then they make an acquisition of Alcan. Nobody likes the acquisition but we like it a lot. It pays almost a 7% yield. We buy it below $70 a share and the stock hits 90 and we've locked in a yield close to 7%. That, that's how you make money in the dividend portfolio because now I can hold this stock and let it run and hopefully hold it for years and collect my yield. So um, another stock we talked about was Schlumberger. It hasn't rocketed off the low like AbbVie. AbbVie is the poster child. They don't all do that. Okay. But if it holds this low in here and pays its dividend, we're a winner. And I'm looking for other energy plays 
to pick up at the end of the year. This is another group like cannabis that's been hammered this year. And very often in January, you get a snapback rally after the, 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 the tax loss selling is complete. So sometime between now and the end of the year, I believe the tax loss selling will be complete in the energy stocks. And so I'm looking for energy names with fat dividends that are blue chip companies to put in the portfolio and lock in the yield. And one way, um, uh, one, one piece of information I wanted to just look at today was the price of oil. Energy has been in a, a, a sideways pattern going back to the beginning of, well, that's, I guess, most of the year. Lots of volatility around a core position. And I just highlighted this chart pattern. I'm going to blow it up for you. So there's another reversal. Now, look, USO is the ETF of oil, and this thing is notoriously um, volatile. Just look at the charts, okay? So it, it rockets higher and lower for you know, every little hiccup uh, anywhere in the world, whether it be an economic number or, or you know, Iran doing something crazy. So I, I, there's not too much to glean from this chart, but I did want to show you that this is a classic reversal pattern. You know, the black line is a 200-day moving average. The price craters below it, immediately reverses higher the next day, and gaps above it. If we can trend higher, trend above the 200-day moving average, then I think that just uh, adds credence to an investment in something like a Schlumberger paying a fat yield. And while it's very difficult, you know, to look at this stock, I just – Occidental's got a yield of 8%. If the price of energy stabilizes and goes higher, that 8% yield is an absolute no-brainer. Okay, so here's a chart pattern that you're looking at. All right, and you know clearly the double bottom, it's very small little double bottom. My stop is obviously the lows. But I'm locking in an 8% yield, and I'm, I'm saying, look, if energy can go higher from here, stabilize and trend higher from here, then an 8% yield in Occidental should be uh, a, a good yield. Now, look, I get it. I get it. Occidental is a disaster, too much debt in the balance sheet, people concerned that you know, won't they, they won't be able to service it. All I can tell you is so, sometimes I'm wrong. Okay, we all know that this is not a stock recommendation. You have to look into your own portfolio and determine the risk you're willing to take. For my money, this is the type of risk I'm willing to take at an 8% yield. I heard the same whining and complaining about AT&T when I was buying it at the lows. Want to look again? Let's take a look. Okay, this is where I'm buying AT&T at the lows. Right in here, right in here, I'm buying AT&T. And I get the same whining and complaining from people that AT&T is a disaster, way too much debt, the acquisition they made is god-awful, and all I've done is coin money in this stock. There it is. All I've done, the green box is where I'm buying it. And when I was buying it, everybody was telling me I was wrong, too much debt, direct TV is an albatross, this company's done. And all I've done is coin money. 
Okay. Now, was there risk in AT&T down there? Absolutely. They had a lot of debt. That's a big problem. DirecTV nobody likes. The subs are doing this, that, and the other thing. All I've done is coin money. Will I do it again in Occidental? I don't know. I don't know. But the reward is worth the risk at 8%. I know the risks. They took on too much debt. They bought Anandarko. I mean, Anandarko is the best shale play in the country. That's much better than DirecTV's acquisition. And you've got Warren Buffett putting money into this company. Eight billion into preferreds, and we just saw that he's buying the common. Now, I'm not a Buffett guy. I don't get on this show and talk about follow billionaire investors because they have their own methods, and they can afford to wait decades to make money on something when real people like you and me can't. But it's just an added benefit to all the other reasons. So if the price of oil can trend above that 200-day moving average, I think there's the potential that Occidental turns into another AT&T or AbbVie for my account. And I want to wrap up with a shout-out to Erez. Thank you for asking me to look again at Altria. It was the absolute right call. We had just gotten off of um, a live stream where I was talking about our strategy as dividend passive income investors. We buy weakness in blue chips that's transitory. So what did we have? And you direct messaged me that day, and I'm really glad you did. Because what you said to me, and I'm going to pull up this chart here. What you said to me was, take a look at this one. Because it fits, it fits the approach that I'm talking about. Big downtrend, and most recently, these things collapsed because of the whole vaping crisis. Well, we all know that you know, that's, um, that's an ideal time when all the bad news is out and everyone's worried about vaping. That's the time to look at a name like Altria that pays a fat dividend. So there's your double bottom, right? Here's the, and this is important, guys. I'll just wrap up on this thought. I don't always buy the low. I think, Arez, you did buy the low. Good for you. I don't always do that. What I like to do if I miss that original low is buy the first pullback to the 50-day moving average. And that's exactly what happened in here. This is where we were adding to the stock or buying the stock, quite frankly. Now the stock is trading above the 200-day moving average. And of course, you all are reading the newspapers about what's going on with vaping and Trump and what they're going to do. and Whatever it is, it's more than likely it's not worse than people fear. And that's what the stock is telling you. So I wanted to say good call, Arez. Thank you so much for that call. Thanks for giving back and helping me out. I'm enjoying that rise. I'll still use stop losses. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But what we do know is if we put ourselves on the right side of probability and we focus on positions where the reward's worth the risk, we can increase our net worth over time. And that's what this show is all about. Thanks for joining me. I'll talk to you on the flip side of this weekend, 1130. Take care, guys.